Welcome to Bright Spots, highlights from the Western Regional Educator Network. I'm Cameron Yee, Communications Coordinator for the REN, and I'm here with Michelle Jelm, the REN's Coordinator of Professional Development. Professional development, or PD as it's often called by educators, is one of the more high profile and popular things that REN offers. So today, Michelle will be pulling back the curtain to reveal what's involved in getting all of our amazing professional learning opportunities off the ground. Thanks for being here, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Cameron. How are you doing? We're about mid-October. Halloween's coming up. I don't know if you're a fan of Halloween or not. I am a big fan in theory. <laughs> in practice, I'm not only a coordinator at the REN, but I'm a coordinator in my home. Okay. So if I don't do the planning, nothing mm. happens. So in theory, I'm like, yeah, super yeah. jazzed. Let's do matching costumes. <laughs> like, let's do this and that. And then I'm like, wait, but then I have to plan it. Yeah. So, so in theory, yes, in practice, a little less so, but it's fall is my favorite. So I'm, yeah. I'm really jazzed that summer's gone. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So thank you again for being here. Just want to spend the first part talking about your background as an educator and what led you to joining the REN as a PD coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. So I taught preschool in a couple different preschools, dipped my toes in kindergarten here locally, um, and then I transitioned out of public education and into uh, United Way doing some preschool promise coordination. So providing um, high quality preschool for families in low income situations across Lane County. That was super exciting. And then um, moving on from that, I just kind of landed here. Uh, I was just really recognizing that there needed to be more educator-led solutions mm -hmm. in our community and trying to figure out how to how to support that because um previously i'd supported a lot of family-led solutions which is huge too but i was like oh, what would it be like to support some educator-led mm -hmm. solutions um and as a as a previous educator myself i know that the support i needed wasn't necessarily there and i was just thinking like what would it have been like were it to have been there mm -hmm. how can i be a part of that that push. So that's yeah. what brought me here. You know, I was part of the interview committee when you came through and like your experience with working with a regional program like you were lended itself to working for the REN, which is not just Lane County, but three other counties, Lynn, Benton, and Lincoln. So yeah, that was a great background for you, I think, coming through as an interview candidate. And also, you know, just looking at the role that you're filling, we really needed you. <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah, uh, you've heard this repeatedly, and it, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get old. At least for me, it doesn't. It doesn't get old. No, no it doesn't. Um, because like all all of the work that you do now was shared among like several people on the team, um, which is great in in the sense of everybody stepped up and did their part. But then there was like a, sort of a consist consistency problem. Um, you know, everybody approached different methods or processes different ways you know and it, and it was amazing the way that we we were able to get the pd that we did but at the point that we identified this role that was needed that it was it was pretty obvious at that point like this needs to be streamlined and you know made consistent in a lot of different ways yeah streamlining yeah. was about the first 
hardcore six months of my job, just trying to figure out how everyone was doing everything and then taking the best from each of them and working into a timeline, an equity-based timeline and templates and processes that were all the same so that the folks we were serving knew a little bit more what to expect. And so we could just do a better job at, um, at just serving people. And that was really exciting because although I hate real life puzzles, like literal puzzles, <laughs> I really love that type of puzzle. So yeah. it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah, like the, the whole problem solving yes. of, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think reflecting back on sort of the initial meetings that you and I had, seeing the system in your own way, right? Like what is, what is, it, what is going on right now? I think as I was describing the processes I knew of, then it again it became clear like oh this is this needs some work and improvement here so yeah it took some time they did a great job though the the work that the folks that were lifting before i got here was great too so they they set us up well yeah and and as a communications person kind of in the same situation like i came on a lot of work had been done like a website had been created a mailing list had been created all these things that were done by people on our team who that wasn't really their job, <laughs> but they stepped up and they did what they were able to do given the time and capacity. Um, and then it reached a point where, hey, it makes sense to have a dedicated person to do this. Um, so I inherited a lot of great things, mm-hmm. um, just as you did. But yep. then we were we've been tasked with you know making it making it even better. So yeah, well, why don't you uh, kind of walk the listeners through what does PD coordination involve? PD coordination generally takes about 11 to 13 weeks from start to finish. So when you're when you're wondering about that timeline, it's it's probably a little longer than you might think. Um, first, I do a heavy dig into our feedback that we get. I review all of that. I also look at previous interests, so gauging how interested the folks we're serving were previously in an offering, um, and what what else they're looking for outside of what we're already offering. Um, I definitely speak with our rent cabinet, which is a subset of our coordinating body, um, which is the governing group. I I usually say it's the same as in a a board of directors or a school board. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, well, I get yeah. I get more more information um, in the room besides just myself. Yeah. Um, and then I, I reach out to contractors. Sometimes they're old contractors that we've already um, had for PD, and sometimes they're new contractors because we're looking for new topics or um, just new perspectives. Um, then I, I just dig into some planning note creation. I make registration forms, participant messaging, uh, take and process attendance. And then um, at the very end, I push forward a stipend payments. So it's it's quite the process and you know everything has its own timeline that's equity based and it's working really well. It feels pretty seamless these days. Yeah, I think one major thing I've seen is just, you know, making those timelines clear to everybody at the front end of it from the contractor to my role and pushing it out in the newsletter and making flyers. And like at any point I can like look at where where are we at in this for this particular event. And then I have, I know. Yes. Um, so it's been really helpful for my part, but from what I've seen, it's been helpful for other people too. It has been because there's so many players in the game. There's me, there's the contractor, there's you, there's our whole team who's trying to spread the word. And then there's all the educators we're serving. And so if we do not have a consistent, accessible timeline that always 
is on time, it's, you know, it's tough to make things happen. So that timeline is like the lifeblood of what I do really, <laughs> just keeping stuff on time. Like in your education, career experience, like where did all that come from? Like, it seems like it's, it makes sense to me. <laughs> and I think it makes sense to other people, but I, I guess unless you're in the role of a coordinator, um, effectively an event coordinator, like understanding like what does this process need and how does it become helpful for people? Where where did all that come from from your from your experience? Where did all of that come from? I think I feel like I've always kind of been the type of person that sees the big picture and then is able to narrow everything down into chunks and then sees issues before they arise so I can like backwards plan away so those issues don't come. I was, it was really handy in teaching. It was really handy um, for preschool promise. Like my preschool promise job was in a lot of ways quite similar to this job. So I got a lot of pretty high stakes practice because yeah. that's education for littles, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that really honed my skills. But yeah, I've just always been able to kind of see that's just kind of how my brain goes, you know? Um, and I get to practice and use the best parts of my brain in this job, which is super exciting. Yeah. We, I think we're the same Enneagram. Mm, are we? I'm a, or we're, we're at least, you're a one, right? I can't remember. Okay, I think you yeah. are a one. <laughs> you made me a little wooden guy. Yeah. It's on, and then I got to look at it. I can't okay. remember. I think what you it are was. one. I don't know if you're a wing two or a wing nine. Okay. Um, but, and, and Tracy is also one. So there's sort of this like, yes. you know, synchronicity between the three of us when we start looking, like, like our meeting last week when you, when we were talking about the steps that you go through to, you know, do what you do. And one person on our team felt like really overwhelmed, like there's so many steps. <laughs> and Tracy's like, this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. <laughs> and I would lean that way too, because it's all very well detailed and laid out. Um, and I know what to do. Yeah, know, no surprises. Yeah, no surprises. <laughs> where, but where was I going with that? Uh, sort of, oh, I, I watch or have watched a lot of movies and there's this movie Gosford Park. I don't know if you've seen that. Mm -mm. It's, it's basically about um, like sort of upstairs, downstairs, classic um, British aristocracy and the servants who serve them okay. kind of a situation. But there's this monologue that Helen Mirren, who is the, like the lead, she's in charge of the house and sure. all the servants in it. But she goes, she shares this monologue that is, that is all about anticipation. Like, our, my job is to anticipate what my master, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> um, needs or what who I'm serving needs. Sometimes they don't even know that if they need it. I have to anticipate an unspoken need before it ever happens. And I've thought about that monologue a lot in the work that I do and sort mm -hmm. of just in terms of service in general, like what do you what do you do when you're trying to figure out what somebody needs and yeah. yeah, and sort of anticipating that before it actually happens. Yeah, you just like never stop listening. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm constantly picking up bits of information from anything from like just random super small feedback to really larger intentional feedback and and just like being, just thinking about like, okay, yes, I hear that. And what does that mean? And what could that look like if somebody had a slightly different perspective or a really different perspective um, so that I can kind of solve all of the potential barriers um, before we encounter them. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah. So one of the first things I remember when you started with us was you saying feedback is a gift. 
and I agree. I don't know if most people agree, <laughs> um, or at least you know most people say I agree if it's said <laughs> in a certain way. Um, but I have learned that feedback is feedback. Um, yes, I would I would like it to be said in a nice way. Most people would, but even the way that it's said is feedback. Like, what is this? Why? What is? As I think I probably learned that in like coaching for emotions or something like that. Probably. Like the way that it is said is another piece of information. Like this person is upset, or this person is angry, and why are they angry? And sort of like you know, separating yourself, not taking it personally per se, but like like why is this person so upset? And that's another piece of information. But anyways, I remember saying feedback is a gift, and I was like, oh, that's, that's great. How do, we, how do we operationalize it? And then you operationalized it. <laughs> sure did. Yes. Yeah. So talk about how that was developed and like what you, what you saw as a need and what steps you took there. Yeah. So when I first got here, I was really, um, I was just really excited about the idea of educator-led improvements. And part of part of a large part of that, potentially the only part of that, right, is knowing what educators are thinking, right? You can't, (laughs) you can't have anything educator led if you don't know where folks are. Um, And so I was like, oh, how do, you know, how do we get that feedback? And, and we, we, you know, we gathered it, gosh, I think four times a year, um, which is amazing. And it gave us some phenomenal data that Alyssa does magical things with. But I wanted some more, I wanted some quicker data and some more data that I could use to make small changes very quickly, because we run so many PDs, I have the opportunity to make changes fast and to have that change reflect, you know, a month later rather than four months later or a year later. Um, so, so I was just thinking about feedback um, and also just how, how do we figure out if, um, if there's any harm being done in the sessions that we are giving. So just trying to figure out like how can we catch any harm and manage that and also just how do we gather feedback? Like are we are we providing things that are useful to the folks we're trying to reach? Um, not only is it useful, but is it a comfortable environment we're providing? How's your experience? Um, because if we're not checking in on those things, then we're not really meeting our educator-led goals, right? Um, so I made a feedback form uh, and you know, just send it out after every PD, totally optional, send it during PDs as well, just so folks can feel like if anything does happen or if a thought comes up, they can go ahead and share it with us. And and we're going to take it seriously. Um, I always... I always read the feedback constantly. There doesn't go, you know, two weeks without me having done a big feedback dive and just um, sharing that feedback, not just with myself, but with the team and with the facilitators so that we can just move forward in a positive direction for the folks that we're serving. Yeah. I mean, the other part, the other half of that is acting on the feedback. Like yeah. we, we are asked for feedback all the time in different ways in our lives. I sort of feel personally 50-50, like, is anything actually going to come of this? And I do see that the REN feedback has resulted in very tangible uh, improvements in the way that we do things. Yeah, I've made a huge amount of changes based on feedback. Um, I change my templates. I change what type of information we provide on registration forms. Um, 
it, it helps me with my timelines. I will extend timelines or condense them based on folks' feedback like, hey, I wish that registration would have been open longer or like, can I still register for that even though it's closed? That tells me that like our equity-based timeline could be adjusted, right, to encompass a little extra time. It's led me to send more reminders for PD to folks. And in a huge way, it helped me create the attendance, new attendance policy, the inclusive attendance policy, um, as well as the two-level stipend practice that we do now. Um, and now we send out PDU certificates. So I really am reading their feedback. I really am doing things with the feedback. And the feedback is really what, what I think has really made this such a successful job for me because I I can't I don't know everything right <laughs> there's no way my team doesn't know everything so we really need that feedback to make improvements constant improvements the I believe the inclusive attendance policy was one of the first major yeah. changes right like yes recognizing holidays for other cultures and belief systems and yeah. respecting those. those yeah, qualities. just making sure that we weren't punishing folks for being involved in cultural or religious practices that meant they couldn't join us for some period yeah. um, because those practices and those experiences are really important and it shouldn't keep folks from joining us yeah. um, or from feeling like we value them joining us. So just getting that policy in was big. Yeah. So like I think on most of our team calendars now, or we, we encouraged everybody on our team to, hey, turn on this these supplementary calendars that show holidays in, in not just the United States, but in other cultures. I, I myself only had experience, um, you know, viewing Asian or China, specifically Chinese holidays. So I, I already kind of knew about that. But then there were tons of other calendars that I could turn on and be aware of. I still have those turned on, even though I'm not like planning things around them necessarily, but it's good to know like, oh, this is happening right now. And this is a bit of a tangent, but then also learning about, you know, in Chinese culture, the Mid-Autumn Festival, and then Sukkot in the Jewish tradition, and seeing those align was really super informative and interesting for me, so. Yeah, yeah, Google Calendars is divided in an interesting way. I wish they'd just show everyone everything, yeah. <laughs> right? But they don't. But when you figure out how to see everything, mm -hmm. it's really informative. And I've done a lot of searches on like, oh, what's that one? What's that one? And it just helps me understand, you know, my community members better. Yeah. Um, it's been a real gift. Yeah. Yeah. So weightless. I know there's been some questions around weightless. <laughs> yes. Um, I think the first thing people need to know is that it's not first come, first serve. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, that was something stated to me as soon as I started. I don't, I guess I don't know exactly where that comes from, but it does, it does tie back to sort of the concept of equity. Like people's yeah. time is different. Like their ability to respond to an opportunity varies quite a bit. So we don't want to punish people, right? For not having time. Right, <laughs> for respond. being busy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So for busy being, uh, busy doing their jobs. So weightless, how do you, how would you describe the, the process in sort of a broad level? Yeah, so in terms of weightless, definitely not first come first serve, which I think is the biggest myth to bust because a lot of things in this, you know, world are first come first serve. So when folks sign up right when it comes out and they don't get in, sometimes they do get a well, I signed up right away. What do you mean I don't have a spot? And and I just have to describe our weightless process um which is mm -hmm. um 
we hold uh, we hold some folks for specifically for BIPOC folks, and then um, I use a bunch of data to figure out which districts we are potentially underserving um, with the help of Alyssa. Uh, so I figure out which districts we're potentially underserving, and those districts that are being underserved get prioritized for the next. I usually do it about every three or four months, and so that's constantly evolving so that we're continuously reaching new underserved districts um, which is really exciting because in the data I can I can watch it work I can watch um, the month after I prioritize a certain district I can see more people getting in from that district and then you know three months later I can change those prioritizations and notice that my new prioritizations aren't getting in but will now and so the data is showing that that's working um, and then the last thing that we double check with everyone is uh, how many touches they've had with the contractors. So we're always taking into account how much opportunity an individual has had with this contractor. Because some folks haven't ever met Victor Small Jr. or haven't ever been um, in a class with Amanda Coven, uh, while others have two, three, four times, right? And we wanna make sure that we are spreading that access opportunity across, um, across our educator community. Well, hopefully that answers the, the question most people have yeah. around waitlists. So upcoming PD mm-hmm. in the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in the next few months, we have three new contractors we're working with. Um, those new contractors came about by just listening to, listening and reading the feedback we were getting, um, thinking through what it is that educators are saying that they need in their PD. What topics are they looking to have? And if we're not already offering those topics through our current contractors, I go ahead and do some research to find new contractors that are offering that. Um, and you know, I, I do some digging to see, make sure everything's high quality. Um, so what's coming up is a third round of bicycle standard intervention for educators, which is just how to be an active bystander um, when, you know, when things go wrong, when you see harm and harassment, how how can you respond as somebody in that room? Um, we also have a session of Regulate, Relate, Reason coming up, which is a social emotional learning opportunity from Lane ESD's Daniel Gallo. That's going to be great. Um, it's going to help with that, um, what people like to call classroom management. And then we also have a couple offerings of more than a rainbow training, which is basically an informational training on how to how to be more inclusive to the LGBTQIA2S plus community, um, be they students, coworkers, staff, um, just community members, um, how to how to make sure that we are going in the right direction and being inclusive and not harmful. Um, and those three topics were all things that lots of educators were saying that they were interested in learning about. So I'm super excited to be able to offer that here coming up. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier about involving the, uh, the REN cabinet, which is a task force that's part of the coordinating body. Um, so they, so describe what like their their part in sort of looking at these. Yeah, so these specific three, I don't know that they specifically looked at, um, but we have been listening to the things that they are, gosh, that must have been multiple months ago, so I'm trying to recall the, ex- mm-hmm. the exact conversation. Yeah, because our task force uh, <laughs> meeting model has changed a little bit, so right. it's a little different from when 
last school year, basically. Yeah, but uh, I think what they would have done in, in this case is just sharing some sharing some feedback about topics that they're interested in, and and me reviewing the feedback um, from the feedback form, and just listening to educators um, whenever I'm able to, you know, when when they're around, just gathering that sort of information. Um, the Ren cabinet was super duper helpful in selecting um, some of the Oregon Jewish Museum and Center for Holocaust Education offerings that we did. We had a, a wide variety of options and they really helped us narrow those down. Um, we actually offered those ones during the summer and the fall, so they aren't included in these upcoming three, um, but they were super, super helpful in helping us figure out which of those to prioritize and when to offer and who to offer them to and all of that. And bystander intervention, that's the from right to be? Yeah, yeah, formerly holler back, right to be um, is, it's just a really phenomenal organization that I ran across during my time at Preschool Promise, actually. Um, so when people were thinking about, well, okay, but like, what do I do when things go wrong? I thought, oh, I know who I can email. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting when you, I guess, introduced the, the topic to our team and Alyssa. Alyssa has come up a few times in this in our conversations. So Alyssa Laris, who is the data and measurement coordinator, she she knew them as Hollerback. Yeah, Hollerback, previously known as Hollerback. Yeah. So she, as you were describing like what they do, she said, "Oh, this sounds familiar or similar to this other organization." It's like, "Oh, it's the same one." Yeah, yeah. they changed their name within the last couple of years. So yeah, she's a fan. I'm a fan. And now that we all we actually ran that PD um, in August and October, and it went just phenomenally. People were really jazzed to sign up for it, and then gave really great feedback. So I'm super excited to be able to offer this new contractor um, opportunity again coming up, I believe, in December. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and I, um, you encouraged all of us to try their free demo yes. one, and I did. And I, it was shorter than the one that we're offering, but even then that was like really great and had a lot of promise for what, you know, what, what would an extended one look like. And I think the main takeaway for me was just the, the facilitator asking like what's your superpower because we all have a set of skills or things that we are comfortable doing there are ways that we can intervene and i think for my my own self was sort of envisioning intervention as this very dramatic mm. action that needs to be taken every time and i think sort of framing that in a different way like no you don't have to do that because sometimes it's not safe it's not safe for you it's not safe for the person who's that you're intervening on behalf of, but there are other things that you can do. And like my and my superpower was documentation, mm -hmm. and the and the piece that um, I appreciated even more around documentation was like, well, what do you do with that? Well, you give it to the other person, because it not only validates their experience, the harm that they experience, but it also gives them like information to take it somewhere if they choose to do so. Um, and so that just sort of opened my my thinking about what does intervention even mean, yeah. and what could that look like in a in a safe and supportive way. Yeah, I love the diversity of thought that comes along with that training. It's like no, you don't need to bust down the door in your cape and start yelling, mm -hmm. right? That's that doesn't have to happen. There's lots of other options that will make the situation better for the person being harmed. Um, way better than doing nothing, which unfortunately is often what happens. Right. Um, so yeah, that that training was a real eye opener for me when I first took it. Like, oh, yeah, like I can do these things. Mm -hmm. I can do these things, and I know other people can. And if we all just learned a little bit more, 
this would just be a much better place. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've seen regulate, relate, and reason mm-hmm. come through like Laney SD's yes. workshops quite a bit. So it's cool to... It's popular. It's, it's popular. a really good one. Yeah. yeah. And being able to partner with Daniel around that would be great. And I'm intrigued by the uh, more than a rainbow training. Yeah, one of our other REN partners, um, you know, we're the WREN, but there are other REN's, <laughs> right? Um, one of the other REN's suggested um, this contractor and said that this this opportunity was phenomenal. So I'm I'm super excited because um, yeah, it's just it's great to be digging into new topics with with our community. Yeah, and so and and I'm sort of realizing as we're talking about and sort of promoting these opportunities, I think one of them has been bystander intervention has already gone out for promotion so i believe the december one has it yeah you're probably right because it's october yeah i bet you're right yeah Yeah. so that one that one's already out and available and maybe closed by the time this podcast is episode is published but it's been so popular i would not be surprised if we offered that again yeah so and then the other ones are in january i believe or thereabouts may or january yes i believe so yeah so keep an eye out yeah yeah, so our, our next segment will be Michelle and I visiting with Anil Uman from Pacific University, uh, who has been one of our contractors for a number of Long time. very popular PD. And he's also a founding member of the coordinating body, so that will be another opportunity to talk of joining the REN. Anil is a fountain of knowledge. I'm, I'm excited to have him on. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, or follow us on whatever podcast platform you're hearing this on. For more information about our equity-based professional learning, follow the links in the episode description, which go to our website at westernren.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you can join us for the next episode of the Bright Spots podcast, highlights from the Western Regional Educator Network.